Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. Many farmers haven't started planting crops this autumn, but more have actually finished more than a week ago. However, the majority of crops are still to be planted, and this will garner a head of steam over the weekend if the weather cooperates. The tillage industry has been well served with a supply of top quality certified seed, which ensures the crop gets a good start and produces high yields. There are many actors involved in this process of producing seed, from the major seed houses through Europe supplying varieties, to seed multiplication houses here in Ireland, and of course the farmer who grows the seed. The Department of Agriculture is involved in overseeing the quality standards, which have to match the laid down legislation. It's often the case farmers producing the seed have more of an eye on costs and probably maybe forget about the steps involved in ensuring the quality of seed. In this podcast and next week's episode, we'll cover the story of seed from the farmer who grows the seed through the seed assembler and have a look at the checks and balances along the way. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Donald Fitzgerald, General Manager of Arbel Seeds in Goldcrop, and Liam Day, a seed producing farmer from Whitegate in Cork. Donald and Liam, you're very welcome to the podcast and thanks for joining me. Problem, uh, Michael. Glad to be here. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having us. Okay, Donald, can I first uh, come to you and and maybe just start kind of from the starting point, I suppose. Um, there are a number of generations of seed before the farmer, the, I suppose the endpoint farmer, gets his hands on the seeds. Maybe you might just run us down through the classification of those seeds, um, so that the farmer can understand the bit that that, that they get at the end. Sure, Michael. Yeah, I suppose when the um... When the breeder makes an initial cross, you know, he, he's, he's selecting on two different varieties. He's crossing them. He's trying to get a, a, a balanced population of genes into a variety then that can go forward into trials, etc. So um, I suppose typically the breeder will have to produce the seed initially. And then subsequently from that, it goes to become a uh, pre-basic seed. So this, at this stage, it enters the certification scheme. And, you know, the, the variety is distinct, uniform and stable. Uh, it has generally got a name at this point. Uh, sometimes it's still a code, but generally it has a name. And I suppose typically we would get uh, either breeders or pre-basic seed to start our multiplications in Ireland. So if we have a variety that's coming through the trials, it looks good. We want to get a bit of it propagated. Generally speaking, at the start of a variety's life, the amount of seed that's available is quite small. So we have to start to multiply it up. So we usually start with something like a pre-basic uh, seed, which is generally white label with a purple stripe through it. And from that, then we generate one generation on is what we call basic seed. And that's what I suppose most growers would know as white label. And that's typically what we put out on farms uh, to propagate up to what is blue label then, which is the C1 generation. And that's, that's the, 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 I suppose, the consumer seed that we call that goes out to farmers nationwide. And that's, that's what we use in Ireland. Um, for in other countries, for example, you know they go with red label seed. And that's a further generation on. That's called C two or red label seed. Um, and I suppose we we try to get with a slightly higher standard. Typically, C one is a higher standard seed, and that's what we use as our base seed in Ireland. Yeah, so 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 it's a good high standard in the first place. Yeah, and and obviously within that, the integrity of that seed multiplication along the way is hugely important and the grower, uh, as, as you described there in terms of the white label seed is, is integral to, to that. What factors do you as, I suppose, seed multiplication houses consider when considering a, a new grower or even sticking with an existing grower? Yeah, I suppose familiarity is half the battle really. I mean, if we have, um, 
we, we typically work with a, a network of seed growers uh, nationally, as most other seed houses do as well. We, we work with a network of seed growers who, who are experienced in the job. They're at it for years and they're, they're familiar with the nuances of growing seed. Um, and, you know, they understand the, the necessity to have clean ground, I suppose. You know, when I say clean ground, I'm talking about fields that are free of wild oats or brome or any other um, uh, noxious weed, etc. And I suppose ideally we'd like to look for fresh ground as well, you know, you know, close as possible to first rotation, which generally means it's going to be free from any of the you know, uh, volunteers that might come from the previous crop or a different variety. Um, you know, another thing that's important for us, I suppose, is the farmer involved needs to have an interest in it. Um, and we, we generally find that the guys that we work with are, you know, they're interested in growing seed and they have a very good, you know, interest in keeping their crops clean, their land clean, and they're good to cooperate with us and with the seed certification staff in the Department of Agriculture. Um, and I, you know, I suppose if I was to try to describe the, you know, the, the makeup of a seed grower, it's typically the guy that's not the very, very big operators because those guys are generally, they're very busy, they have lots of things to do. Um, and we need someone who has time to be able to devote if they have to go out and grow the crop for some impurities, whatever it is, they have to be able to do that. Um, they're the main factors, really, Michael. You know. So, Liam, you have been growing seed for some time with Gold Crop, and uh, I suppose really a similar question to Donald: Why did you decide to become a seed grower in the first place, and then why have you continued along the way uh, to to be a seed grower? Yeah, I suppose, um, Michael, just to add a premium to the price of um, a ton of grain is one of the main reasons we're growing seed, and. Um, to maintain hygiene and cleanliness on the farm in terms of controlling grass weeds. So in terms of your, um, your, I suppose Donald mentioned it along the way, um, around kind of rotational decisions as regards what crops come before various different crops, how much consideration do you put into that before you commit to putting into a, a field into a particular seed crop? Well, personally, I suppose the main break crops that I'm growing are maize, beet and beans. And... We'd hope to follow these crops then with three crops of seed barley. Okay, Donald, can I can I come back to you um, there there a little bit? So, um, Donald, when you get um, you know you have white label seed, I suppose, ready to go for for Liam when he's going to put in his seed crop. In terms of multiplication of that up, is it the fact that the likes of Donald would multiply up the 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 basic seed going in or the pre basic seed, I should say, going into that? Or is does that come from outside Ireland, or how does that work? Yeah, I suppose typically the pre-basic seed is produced abroad. Uh, in most cases, um, sometimes we get breeder seed in, and that becomes pre-basic. So that's well, you need to, the very first seed that we get in typically is coming from a breeder who is usually abroad. We don't have many Irish-based uh, breeders that are producing cereal uh, varieties currently. So that will come from a foreign country, could be the UK, could be France, could be Germany, could be Denmark. Um, they're probably the main four nations we deal with. Um, and, yeah, you know, so it starts out as, as a pre-basic seed. We obviously have to make sure that it's, uh, it meets all the specs in terms of phytosanitary and all that, um, and make sure it's free from all those noxious weeds that we don't want. Um, and then we, we produce the basic seed then that would go out to Liam then or any other grower subsequently uh, for producing the, uh, the C1. Um, of course, we need growers too to produce the basics. So, but typically we'd, we'd identify those that are you know, uh, the, the, the top producers to try and produce our pre-basic for us 
and then um, we, we we work with with other growers and on the basics. So it's um you know it, it, that's that's how our system works. Okay, and when you're working with these growers, what sort of support do you provide to these growers during the year? And is there a differential maybe in support between maybe the higher level seed and the and, and the next level down of seed? Um, I suppose the the, the look at the, the the scheme we're operating in Ireland is operated by the department, so it, you know a lot of the a lot of it's done in conjunction with with the department TAOs or inspectors that go out and look at these crops. Um, for us initially, I suppose for winter seed varieties, and um, so the main thing we have to do with the start is just we have to you know check in with the grower to make sure we planted the crop, and then maybe in the springtime we'll go and visit the crop to make sure it's all there because we do have situations when some parts of fields might be lost with water logging or flooding or frost damage, etc. Uh, so we verify the areas in the ground. Um, generally keeping regular contact with the grower and the TAO to monitor anything to do with crop health issues or any phytosanitary issues, you know, if we have issues with you know, any bits of wild oats showing up or there was a bit of grass weed showing up in the headlands, et cetera. Um, and we'd have some, you know, I suppose pre-harvest inspections. And we do also support the growers in terms of giving them latest information on new varieties. Uh, we have some crop walks and open days that, you know, seed growers and other people would, would come to attend. So. So that's how we keep in touch as much as much as possible. Okay, yeah. So there's, there's relatively good contact with which you between the two of you the whole way through um, the season. It would be. Yeah. So, Liam, coming back to you, just in terms of thinking about growing a seed crop versus growing a feed crop, is there anything that that you generally would um, consider maybe more intently or maybe do slightly differently uh, from a seed crop in comparison to a feed crop along the year? And I, I suppose maybe. People might often think about maybe the herbicides might be something that you might have uh, more in, in in of an importance um, in comparison to a feed crop. Yeah, I suppose um, the herbicide is probably the one difference between growing a seed crop and a commercial crop. Um, we generally use a graminicide on the uh, all the seed crops to control wild oats, and this helps us then kind of reduce the hand roging of weeds throughout the season. Okay, and when you're when you're talking about hand roguing, then it's that's obviously something that 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 the farmers listen to this who receive your seed, I suppose, um, would be very, uh, I suppose, interested in. How often do you hand rogue, or is there is a is that a, a a place of particular attention that you um you really look to make sure that the quality is going to be one hundred percent by the time it's leaving your farm? Yeah, I suppose hand roguing is is um is a key part of growing the seed, so. We do generally do it two to three times just before harvest and we kind of liaise with the department inspector as well. He'd be walking the crops and if there's any issues and any fields that need to be revisited, he'd kind of point them out to me and we'd go back and clean up any impurities then after that. Okay, and I would presume that that would be to a degree relatively minimal given the fact that you're putting a graminicide on and you're hopefully working relatively clean ground, I would imagine anyway. Yeah, sure. Look, it is generally minimal, but um, you have to go back and I suppose maintain that it's going to be 100% um, free of all these weeds. Yeah, you have to make sure anyway. So then, as you mentioned, coming up to harvest then, um, and, and Donald mentioned earlier in terms of the um, ensuring the purity of the grain that's coming through in terms of varieties, how careful are you or what sort of program do you put in place uh, when looking at your combine and you know, various harvesting equipment, um, uh, you know, changing from one crop to the next? Yeah, I suppose, look, the combine itself is um, blown down in the field um, that we're just finished harvesting. Um, usually start off by cleaning the header, 
uh, open up the stone trap and all the covers on the grain tanks and blow it out using a compressor. And all grain trailers and as well carting the grain have to be swept out and cleaned. Okay, so you, you pay a good bit of attention to that along the way. Definitely, yeah, sure. Look, it's it's very important to um, make sure that the lads in Goldcrop are getting a clean sample on what they require. Okay, that's great. Well, sorry, Michael, if I could just add there to that, one of the things that we've worked with growers as well is to, to work on the flushing element of the of the of the first you know the first tank that goes through the machine. Um, you know the big the big the big common harvesters nowadays. You know it's, it's very hard to get into the middle of them to try and clean them out accurately because. So big and, and the machine, the parts are so so kind of locked away, I suppose, so to speak. Um, so you know, it's important that we, we, we take you know a few tons through the machine to flush out anything that might be inside in the middle before we you know start taking in the rest of the crop as seed. And um, we've identified that as a critical control point in terms of just making sure that there's, there's no admixture coming through on the other side. Yeah, so Donald, maybe I might just go back just a one step bit further and you might maybe describe to, to us how the department kind of fits into this um, jigsaw, I suppose, of, of maintaining that quality process and more particularly, you know, in around the field inspections. Yeah, so the, the Irish seed certification system is operated by the Department of Agriculture. Um, so in other countries, what sometimes happens is that uh, merchants like ourselves would 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 be self-regulated and we we would be audited you know on a portion of what crops we produce uh, whereas in ireland the department would our auditor and controller general if you want to call it on every single crop in the country and uh, we have to supply them with all the details of lipis numbers and uh, all that for each contract we, we, we place with growers and uh, then the department would then go and visit those those fields and those crops and typically it takes three inspections uh, per season for every crop that's produced. It's quite an intensive system. Uh, there's an initial visit just to see where the fields are and to check the labels and everything else to make sure that all is, all is kosher. And there's a key inspection visit around the time of heading uh, to make sure all the, the purity that's in the field is good. And, you know, to make sure there's no presence of any weeds or something else that shouldn't be there. And then after that, then just before harvest, I suppose we're just Another check done to make sure that everything is hunky dory, and um, with with the, with the crop and it's not lodged too badly or you no know, green uh, sprouting, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, that's done too. Um, and you know, the, after that, then I suppose the certification scheme kicks in. Then when it comes into the plant, and we'll go into that in more detail in due course. But uh, um, you know, we it is I suppose the system we have in Ireland, for example, on wild oats. That's why I want to describe that for a second. Like we have a zero tolerance to wild oats in the field. So if a grower has wild oats in the crop, it's rejected in the story. Uh, whereas in other jurisdictions, what can sometimes happen is a crop that has wild oats in it can still make it through to the seed plant. The seed plant will do their best to take it out. And if there's no wild oats found in the sample, well, then that seed lot is certified. Um, so I suppose that's typically what you'd find in a C2 seed lot that might come in from abroad, whereas the Irish system is, I think, more robust and just doesn't allow anything to come in past the uh, gate, the seed plant, where you know, things like chrome and wild oats and blackgrass might be involved. Yeah, obviously, that's a, it's, a, it's a very robust system, and I suppose that's, that's where we have a, I suppose the confidence in the Irish seed that we have today, Donald. That's it, yeah. Finally, Donald, I just want to, 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 to ask you, I, I suppose, around that and, and certainly listening to um, 
Salim there seems to be doing a really good job. Um, many other growers might be thinking, is there any growth for potential or maybe for new growers that you might take on in the future? Um, look, I suppose you can never say no to something, but uh, we do have, uh, we're lucky enough to have an abundance of, 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 of growers we work with at the moment with plenty of, of, of land. But the availability of clean land is becoming a bit more challenging now as we get into uh, you know, situations where growing has become more prevalent or people are more conscious about uh, but black grass and all that. So we, you know, that is something that we have to be careful of. Um, so we try to work with an existing base of growers as much as possible. We generally do take on some clients, new clients each year as other clients maybe fall off or, and you know, sometimes we have um, situations whereby you know, it's not working out for us, but with, with a grower and we have to move on. Um, but the, you know, the, there's only there's only potential to produce so much seed. Really, the, the market is pretty flat. Uh, not massive potential for growth in the market at present, and hopefully that will increase in due course. Um, and there may be potential for in the future for some specialist crops like um, oilseed rape, the hybrid seed, and we're seeing some opportunity with gluten-free oats. There might be some export opportunities in the future, potentially. Um, and I suppose one area where I think we might see potential growth is in the area of pulses and beans. You know, if we're going to increase the protein aid in the future and if we're looking to depend a bit more on homegrown protein, there will be a requirement there for more seed. And that might lend itself to, it should lend itself to greater um, production of seed crops of, of beans in the country. Um, and so that, that might be one area that we can see uh, a growth potential in the future. Okay, well, look, it's always great to hear that there's there, there's more potential in a premium crop, as, as Liam described it a minute ago. So um, it, it's, it really is good to hear that. Donald, thank you very much for your time. And Liam, thanks for your time as well. That's about, about as much time as we have for today. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. So that's it for the Tillage Edge. And my thanks to Donald and Liam for joining me on the podcast. In next week's podcast, we will rejoin the story from seed leaving the seed growers field through to drying and storage and all the way back to the final farmer customer for the seed. And finally, don't forget if you like the podcast and recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.